Hello, and welcome to We Heard Wonders, the music podcast that's ready to start. Hey Andrew, how are you doing this week? I'm not too bad at all, man. How are you getting on? Yes, cool. Uh, time compressed, uh, body tired, but um, mind like a steel trap, my friend, ready to podcast <laughs> like a like an MFer. Um, Excellent. <laughs> what, what a weird bunch of words I just said. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm I'm actually going to introduce myself because I think last week's podcast I didn't we actually failed to do that entirely. So um, I'm Ian McIntyre. I'm I'm from Glasgow band the Deadline Shakes, and you can find us on all the social medias uh, at Deadline Shakes. And my name is Andrew. I buy records and write about them at kadgh86 on Instagram. Uh, yeah, so we were just Everyone about to... Everyone should follow your Instagram. Everyone should follow your Instagram. That's oh, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. Uh, yeah, I think we were just so excited about having Johnny on last week that we forgot to introduce ourselves. Yeah, um, and it's it's funny because in, in a way, like, um, I don't know if, if you felt this way or not, Andrew, but it felt kind of like a, a fairly significant podcast last week for us. Um, a sort of new, trying something new, you know, and, uh, and we got lots of good feedback and... Uh, and the interview itself was so much fun. Um, so yeah, it felt like an important one last week. It was. It was momentous in in the history of the pod. But yeah, no, it was it was absolutely great. We had, it, we had a lot of fun doing it, didn't we? He's such yeah. a engaging, personable, naturally funny guy. And um, yeah, just really enjoyed it. And yeah, as you say, we've had some really nice responses from people about it. So yeah, yeah great experience. It's been cool. Yeah, Johnny. Um, like is just such an affable chap, and once we once we actually switched off the the mic last week, um, we just sat and, and sat and chatted to him for like another half an hour or forty five minutes or something. Um, he was rushing off to do more, well, actual press, and, uh, and <laughs> we just kind of he was kind of he was really interested in what we knew about like local music and stuff like that, and, and who yeah. we were into and all that. So it was it was cool. We were able to rep our favourite folk, weren't we? Which was which was pretty cool. Yeah it was, yeah, it was great fun. And he finally got to eat his pizza that had been sitting there for the whole winter. Yeah, just that felt so bad. I was, I, I was just sitting there, just like looking at this pizza, going, oh, "It's just getting increasingly cold. I feel so bad." But um, yeah, no, nah, he was just chatting away to us. It was brilliant. I feel confident enough telling our, our listeners, our compadres as well, that um, we embarrassingly like didn't pay for the two diet sodas that we ordered, and, and Johnny picked the tab up, and we only like realised when we were like walking out <laughs> of the door of the hotel. Oh my god, um, which felt a little bit cheapskate, not not intentionally, obviously, but just felt a little bit that way. And um, yeah. so, uh, Johnny, if you're if you're listening, we to can't this, go we, back. We can't go back. <laughs> we have said our goodbye. Um, so, uh, Johnny, we owe you. Uh, two diet cokes and a debt of gratitude for a good interview so <laughs> thanks so much for that um, yeah so I, I think it's worth saying to folk as well um, that you know it's great when they, they get in touch and I think last week's podcast like uh, really demonstrated like the depth of uh, depth isn't the right word maybe the, like the, the range of like people and, and places that you know we're, we're, we're getting lessons from um, I think you made a wee list of folk did you was that right yeah, absolutely. I just wanted to give a shout out to a few people that got in touch or that I know have been listening uh, recently. Uh, so we've got Tish, who's in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. That Hello, is really Tish. far away. Hello, Tish. <laughs> I'd love <laughs> to is... know how she found the podcast. I'd love to know. Did she say? I can't know what she said, did she? Um, I think she's, she's been following me on Instagram for quite a wee while. And yeah, very, very cool taste in music. Yep. Uh, Bobby from Melbourne. 
Al from Valencia. Hello, and Hello, Ruth and Christina from Sunny Fife as well. Give a shout out to them this week. That's cool. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Um, it, it's, uh, you know, it's very much appreciated. It makes us want to keep reviewing music and keep uh, keep active with our with our podcast. So, uh, hello and welcome once again to We Heard Wonders. That's so exciting. It is, yeah. And if anybody else is out there and listening, <laughs> then, uh, yeah, please get in touch and let us know whereabouts in the world you're listening from. That'd be really cool. I feel like I need to follow up and say that those four people you shouted out there, Andrew, are not the only four people who listen. <laughs> They're just yeah. some from far-flung places. It just sometimes feels that way, but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so no, it's it's, uh, it's cool to have that 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 like you know that contact with people all the way around the world. It just seems mad to me that someone's listening to this podcast in Canada. It seems absolutely mm-hmm. bonkers. Um, but hello, Tish. Hello, everybody else. Um, uh, you are you are welcome to enjoy this week's podcast as well. Um, so yeah, last week we had an interview with um, with Johnny from Pictish Trail, and this week we are also going to finish the podcast with another interview that we we conducted last week um with duncan marquis correct yep probably the best known as the guitarist uh from the glasgow band the phantom band yes um excellent group and uh yeah duncan is also a fantastic artist and musician in his own right as well and uh yeah it was really cool to talk to him last week as well um very very chill guy he so, just mellowed me out just so chatting chill. to him it was fantastic yeah yeah because yeah. we were actually and really, odd- really interesting guy as well we were oddly nervous really um to do the zoom the zoom interview because we're we're kind of noobs at this a wee bit aren't we really just making it up as we go along so yeah we're kind of a wee bit like oh what's this going to be like it's going to be awkward whatever and as soon as he came on the interview he was just like hi guys he was so he was so calm and so chilled and it just made me yeah. like completely relax um so I felt I felt a bit awkward and stiff when I was actually in when I've listened to the interview back. I, I I don't feel so bad about it, but I did sort of feel like, well, this guy's so relaxed. I feel so like robotic and mechanical in in comparison. But um, what I've found, um, I don't want to wetter on too much here because I'm sure we'll talk about this later. But what I've found is that since I listened to Duncan's record before chatting to him, and I really liked it, but actually since chatting to him, I think I appreciate it even more. Mm-hmm. Um, but you do get a real sense of like who he is and his creativity and his vision um through his music and he's although he's dead dead relaxed and chilled he is very clearly very passionate about what he does um and has very very deep and clear thoughts and and, and ideas and I, I just thought he was like a really really interesting musician so i actually hope that um his record uh i know it's been out a little while now but i hope it i hope it goes on and like he can make us follow up and, and, and just goes on to more and more success. Yeah, I think he fully fully deserves it. Yeah, I hope so, absolutely. And uh, over the course of the interview, as you'll hear, uh, we chatted about some of the inspirations behind his music and the record in particular. And and yeah, it, when you when you hear all of them together, you can you can totally see what, 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 where he's pulled something from over here and something from over there, and he's he's forming it with his own vision. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's really, really clever stuff. Very, very, and uh, it's a beautiful beautiful record. Yeah, beautiful record. You took the phrase "clever stuff" right out of my mouth because it really, it really is exactly that. Um, and not clever in the in the sort of like, you know, arch clever way. Clever in the warm, welcoming in 
thought provoking kind of way, I think. Um, so, uh, so yeah, good, good for Duncan. So we've got an interview with Duncan later on um, in this week's episode, and we've also got some new music. Hooray! We do, yeah. Hey, we've got uh, three new tracks uh, from the Monophonics, the Return of Arcade Fire, and a new project called Wema. Oh, Wema, yeah. So. Just the just the three relatively small acts this week then. Uh nothing sort of major label this time, am I right, Andrew? Uh no. Um so Arcade Fire is obviously the, the sort of headline uh, thing this week and uh, I don't wanna I don't want to prefigure my uh, review of it, so I'm, I'm not gonna. Um but uh, but it's quite an interesting one to talk about, I think. Um but first of all we've got um Monophonics. Um I'd never heard Monophonics before, Andrew, but you said you're a you're a bit of a fan, is that right? I am, yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. I've been a fan for, oh, God, maybe about 10 years now, actually. Cool. So, um, yeah, excited for this return well, and well. interested to, to hear what you say about it. Cool. Well, let's just get right on with it then. So without further ado, we are going to listen to Warpaint by Monophonics. And here we go. Yeah. 
So that was our first track for today. That was Monophonics, and the track was called Warpaint, not to be confused with the group. Um, and yeah, this is the return um, after a couple of years. Um, I, I actually bought tickets to see the Monophonics. They're, they're coming to Glasgow. Oh, nice. Uh, next month uh, on the 15th of April. And um, yeah, I've I've been kind of wary about buying tickets for gigs, just kind of waiting till like the last minute, just to kind of see, oh, you know, what, what probably, the situation yeah. is and just how I'm feeling in terms of uh, tiredness and that kind of thing. But um, as soon as I saw that the monophonics were coming, I really wanted to to get my ticket and get excited for that because, um, as I say, I've been a fan for about ten years now, and um, I just uh, love what they do. Um, on on their uh, band camp, they they describe themselves as the world's premier psychedelic soul band. Yeah, and I saw that. Yeah, I think that I think that's probably fair. To be honest, I think they are a really cool uh, group. Um, they had a record out um, to twenty twenty. Uh, it's only us, uh, which was a really nice record. Very very kind of cinematic uh, psychedelic soul. Uh, a little bit more symphonic than, than some of the stuff that they've done previously, yeah. uh, while still having some of that that grit that they've always had. Um, and I, I thought that would be the record that they'd be touring with, uh, uh, with the, the, for, the, the forthcoming tour, but they've actually got a new album in the can as well that's coming out in May, which is really yeah. exciting. So, uh, yeah, so this is the first track from it. The album's called Sage Motel. And it seems to be a concept album of sorts, uh, based around this idea of a, of a of a of a motel that's kind of fallen into disrepair. Yes. So there's maybe at one stage a kind of um, I don't know a bit of a hot spot for like musicians and artists, but over time kind of deteriorated and became um, I don't know what would you say just CD. kind of yeah just became increasingly cd and uh, yeah it says cd ownership pumped obnoxious amounts of money into into high-end renovations um yeah so i think it's quite quite an interesting take it's not they're not the first group to do something like that like the first track it's it's called like uh check-in and then the final track's called check out reminding me a little bit of wings back to the egg they do something similar with that um but um yeah, I'm just excited to, to hear the record. Um, this track itself, I would I wouldn't say it's necessarily the greatest thing they've ever done. Um, we can maybe go into a little bit more about that. But um, I found it quite interesting as well after we were talking last week about this is not a cliche. Um, and with, with this track, there's a lot of soul cliches in this track, but yeah. because. It, but because you know, like things like "you need love like I do" is the first line, and uh, they talk about taking your time and floating downstream and turning off your mind. So they're, they're using a lot of cliches that we know from soul music and pop music. Uh, but because I enjoy the sound so much, I, I don't really care too much, to be honest. Yeah. What did you What did you make of it? Um, well, I'll start. I'll start where you ended there with the with the soul cliches thing. Um, I thought that I thought they did it in quite a a, a loving a loving way. Mm-hmm. I, I oh yeah, I definitely. It was a reverential type deal rather than a kind of ironic detachment uh, thing. Definitely. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. So they 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 do it well. Uh, that would be the first thing to say. Like they are really 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 nice to listen to. Um, the track itself I thought was really well 
composed, structured really nicely, um, and really well recorded as well. I read online somewhere, um, and I hope this is accurate because if it is, it's really cool. Um, that the the record live in the studio um, to an eight track recorder. So mm-hmm. that's a very that I mean that's clearly a very old fashioned method of of cutting a record. Um, and I think that's in keeping with the the sort of time period that they're drawing from. Um, this song made me think. I'm not really sure why, but it made me think of like Vietnam movies, like Platoon and Apocalypse Now mm-hmm. and stuff like that, because yeah. it, it seems like the type of music that might be listened to on a you know a, a Chinook or something like that. You know, <laughs> um, <laughs> so it was it was it was pretty cool. I thought, um, and yeah, a, a little cliched and. No, I don't think um, you know. I don't think there was a massive like hook here that was like stuck in my yeah. head for long periods of time. Um, not every song obviously has to have that. I don't think that's what I'm what I'm getting at. But um, but yeah, I just thought it was really really nicely done um, and a really cool concept and uh, big shout out as well when I when I was uh, looking up the uh, just looking up information about the monophonics. Um, I saw the album the the record the record sleeve. Mm-hmm. For Sage Motel, and it's really interesting. It's like a it's like a cutaway um, of what this you know the inside of this motel looked like, but it's actually a surreal. Uh, it's, it's quite painterly as well. It's like a surreal image on the front. Um, makes you me think a little bit of Salvador Dali. Um, it's got you know one room has like a melting candle, the other has like a, a, a white dove's wing with a red splodge on it. That's also the single cover for for War Paint. Um, we've got an apple with an eye, you know, you're the apple of my eye or whatever. Um, a melting fried egg, you know, a dice. And it's all just, it's all quite surreal, but it's very, very, very in keeping again with the with the, the inspiration period. Uh, you know, that's this is what like, record covers look like around about that time period. So it's, it's all sort of, um, all of a piece, all very well done uh, and all very kind of passionate about the, about the music. You just wonder... What would happen if they sort of, uh, and maybe maybe you'll tell me if they have done this at some point, but if they just sort of abandoned all their like preconceived notions of, you know, the rules to put it in inverted commas of of what they of the type of music they want to make, and just mm-hmm. tried to make something new, you know, tried to make something that was completely new, um, as opposed to a kind of sort of throwback type music, because um, they're all very very skilled clearly, and um, yeah, it, it just it was just what. It's just what I thought when I was listening to it. Like, what what would these guys do if they, you know, weren't listening to sixties soul, basically in seventies soul? Um, yeah, I think I think it is just the passion. You know, as you say, it's very it's very kind of lovingly done. It is just what they, what they enjoy doing. My favorite record by them is probably still the first one that I heard back in twenty twelve called In Your Brain, mm-hmm. and that one's a little bit of a kind of wilder record, maybe a little bit more kind of like something like Parliament. Um, and the, the funky stuff is really, really funky. Um, Hope it's not too funky. A, <laughs> you know? Uh, no, just just the right amount of funk, I would say. But I, I'd definitely say if you've not not heard that record, check that out in your in your brain. That's a really fantastic record. Um, and I, there's there's elements of uh, of it here, but I really enjoy the, the fuzz guitar at the start of this track. But I, I agree with you. It's maybe just missing that kind of colour hook that, that some of their, their tracks have. 
Yeah, it's it, the guitarists. I think are very good on this, and they they play the they play the soul thing really well. So you've got the kind of um, you know the, the 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 rhythm guitar, which is kind of riding along behind the on the second, third, and fourth beats of each bar. Um, you know, playing the sort of the classic soul like jangly chords behind. It's 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 really really good stuff. It's really well done, and yeah. um, they, they 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 clearly know what they're doing here with this. Um, so they'll they'll probably get a million reviews of people saying, yeah, you know, it's just soul. You know, it's just the same stuff from the past. But it's it's not just that, is it? It is very very. It is a very good example of it. It is. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm really excited to see it live as well. There's there's a quote from Al Bell, who was the the kind of the head of uh, Stax Records. Um, so if you know, bear in mind, Stax had you know, mm. Booker T and the MGs and Otis Redding and the Staple Singers and Rufus Thomas, and uh, he says that they're one of the greatest live solo acts he's ever seen. Well, so I mean, they are totally legit, and uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing them. Yeah, cool. And then maybe you can give them an endorsement as well, and then their career will be complete. <laughs> you know, they'll have the guy from Stax and the guy from We Heard Wonders will say that they're really. There good. you go. Yeah, a lot to live up to when they come to Glasgow. Then I hope I've not set them unrealistic expectations. <laughs> you should come with me. It's a Friday night. All right, I will. I will then. Yeah, yeah, I will. Can I buy a ticket? Maybe this. Maybe we'll just talk about this some other time. <laughs> <laughs> we can we can organise this amongst ourselves. <laughs> we don't have to record this. We don't want to get any like we heard wonders super fans uh, coming down and disturbing our evening. So. Uh, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, let's chat about that later. Um, and I, I do want to, I do want to draw this to a conclusion because absolutely bursting to talk about this arcade fire thing. So let's <laughs> let's get on with it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so we're going to listen to. Well, it's actually two tracks, isn't it? Really, it's not. It's not one song. It's it's really kind of two, um, but it's also one. Um, maybe we'll get into that. Um, so it's lightning one and lightning two. And we're just going to listen to them uh, back to back. And Andrew, I don't think people will notice the join in between. Do you think they will? No, definitely not. It's it's one of those that's going to be a real uh, hassle for people that listen on shuffle. Because, um, <laughs> yeah, as you say, it's two tracks, but it's basically one. It's basically one. Okay, so uh, without further ado then, uh, let's listen to Arcade Fire, uh, Lightning 1 and Lightning 2, back to back. And here we go. We can 
Okay guys, so that is Lightning 1 and Lightning 2 by Arcade Fire. Um, they are uh, long awaited, I think, is probably a reasonable way of putting it. Um, new single um, from their forthcoming album, uh, We, um, due to be released uh, relatively soon. Um, now Andrew, as a, as a music lover, and we both are uh, in, in our own ways, um, mm-hmm. it's kind of difficult to call yourself a lover of like indie music and rock music and not these days have to some extent you know listened to arcade fire i think they've become kind of a staple of 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 the genre of indie um and uh, there was a time period maybe you know somewhere between 2000 and f- somewhere between 2004 and 2000 and what like 11 12 where they felt like they were just on the up and up and up and up and up um and obviously they've been a bit quieter recently. Um, they haven't released an album for like a good few years now. Um, but without ever really trying, just as I was preparing to review this song, I realised I have listened to Arcade Fire loads and I've listened to all the records. Um, I would never have considered myself a, a fan particularly, um, even though I really like the music. It's just I would just I wouldn't just identify myself as a fan. Um, but do you, do you get that same feeling with them that they're just kind of you know a, a sort of an ever present in a way? Yeah, I think that's fair. Definitely between the years that you said, it felt like they were just on this kind of trajectory, uh, going from kind of like the indie darlings and the critics darlings to yeah, kind of get increasingly uh, bigger and bigger as 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 a, as a group and as a, as a stadium act as well. I think that they're one of the the few acts uh, around around who who came out from that time that uh, could really pull it off on a massive stage and really kind of get that uh, euphoric, cathartic live experience across to to a really large crowd. So I think that was one of the reasons that they really kind of captured people's imaginations. And I think they kind of deliberately did that as well. They kind of opened out their sound. They really kind of went in and embraced uh, the Springsteen in their sound. And yeah. uh, really, kind of went for it, uh, but there was always a a kind of craft to it as well, uh, especially in those kind of early records. I mean, I think I think Funeral still a really lovely record. Um, I saw them live just a couple of months after Funeral came out um, in the debating chambers in Glasgow, yeah. and it was just a really special show. You know, having them lined up across the front of the stage and just kind of like barking at you. Uh, lies, lies, you know, uh, and, and um, at the end they, they, went, they marched through the crowd and it did feel like a, a proper kind of moment. Mm-hmm. You know, when we were talking about British Sea Power, we were talking about how maybe Arcade Fire had taken a little bit from them and broken social scene, but they did, they, they knew how to kind of take it to that next level. Yeah. Um, after those first three records, I think they have kind of went off the boil a little bit. For me, like I, Reflector was a very patchy, very long record. Mm-hmm. Um, and the good, last good record, bits, everything good, good bits on it, though. I do, oh, I do like the title track. Oh, don't get it's very good, yeah. Oh, yeah, excellent. Yeah, the, yeah, the, the title track is, is great, and um, the, the final track as well, uh, was used in uh, that from her mm-hmm. to really nice effect, but uh, yeah, I think it kind of. A flabby album to say the least and then everything now which was them kind of trying to go in a slightly different direction 
Uh, I just didn't really care for that record at all, to be honest. I didn't really enjoy that one. It was a bit preachy, um, uh, a bit about, you know, sort of consumerism and, and so yeah, on. Yeah. Um, which always yeah, feels a bit, a bit yucky when you are essentially a band who are trying to sell us stuff. I mean, it's, uh, you know, a, la- a little bit of lack of kind of uh, self-awareness there, perhaps. Or maybe I'm being overly critical, I don't know. No, I think that's fair. I think they were probably going for a kind of U2, uh, kind of Zuropa type thing. But um, it just, I, I think it did get pe- people took against it quite quickly. And um, I think they realised that as well, that maybe that was a misstep. So with this album, it feels like they're, maybe going back into their comfort zone a little bit more, uh, but it feels like fans are kind of ready for them to, to do that. Well, I'm going to give what I hope is quite a pithy review of this song, Andrew. Are you ready? Or songs? Go for it. Um, I, don't, I don't swear on this podcast, um, just because I don't want to click the button that says obscene content on the, co- on the podcast thing where we upload it. Um, but I'm going to give a, a two-word review of this song and it's the, it's the only two words I can think of to describe it and it is fucking genius There's I can't think of any other way of putting it I, I, I was like so blown away by how ready I was to hear this record and I, didn't, <laughs> I, I did not know that I was I've been like kind of um, I mean you text me on was it like Saturday morning or something mm-hmm. uh, with the playlist and I sort of raised my right eyebrow I was like oh Arcade Fire have a new record out and that was about as much like kind of note that I gave it at the time and I think it was maybe like Sunday evening I think by the time I actually got around to listening to um, listening to the tracks so that's like a couple of days before we recorded this and um, almost instantly I was like this doesn't sound like Reflector this doesn't sound like everything now this no. sounds like this actually sounds like proper Arcade Fire I can hear a piano I can hear strummy guitars I can hear big loud banging drums um, and I, I want to, I want to like explore all the intricacies of this track with you. I really do. Um, but my just my initial feeling was just, wow! Like this is just an absolute corker. I can't believe how good this is. And I've been um, kind of like greedily just like I've had it on. I've actually had this track on repeat. I never do that. I really never <laughs> do that. But it's it's done that for me. So. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a it's a beaut, this one, I think. Um, I don't know whether that's just... I don't know what that says about me. Um, like, whether that was just... I was just really ready for this. Mm-hmm. Um, or or I don't know if I'm just, like, overvaluing the track slightly, but it feels to me like an absolute return to form um, and a return to what, what they're good at as well, I think. No, absolutely, definitely. Uh, I, 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 would, I, I wouldn't say... I wouldn't go as far as you are. To be honest, I, I, the first time I heard it, come on, um, do it, come with. <laughs> uh, I, I want to, I do want to, and I, 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 I do like it more with every play. Actually, I'd say that the first time that I listened to it, I, I felt yeah, it felt like they were returning to to that old sound. But I don't know if it's your kind of your prejudices as well. Like the longer that a band goes on, you maybe feel like they they're, they're not giving it as much as they used to. Um, and whether that's just all in my head rather than on the actual track, like I, you know, when, when that when that uh, lightning two kicks in, I was thinking, is that going as heavy as something like like when they would used to do that or in Rebellion Lies or Wake mm-hmm. Up or um, like leave the car running or keep the car running or whatever. That, um, but I think it probably is in my head 
I think I think this I think it is a good it does sound good on the recording. I think it all sound incredible live as well. Um, and I was kind of thinking about the chorus as well. It, it it's hard when you're kind of going for a stadium rock sound. It's, it's a thin line between uh, universal and trite. And I wasn't sure if you know, especially in like the first few plays, that kind of you, uh, I won't quit on you, don't quit on me. You know, I wasn't sure if that's you know, a really nice sentiment or just a little bit kind of lazy and a kind of, you know, when Coldplay are at the worst, they kind of go into that territory. Oh God, you um, can't be talking about Coldplay, Jesus. <laughs> no. no. No, but having said that, once I actually saw it with the video, especially, and I saw the group uh, all playing together yeah. and you had like Regine, you know, hammering her keyboard and like shouting and that kind of, Way that she does to to support uh, her husband, um, I just immediately got that kind of rush of everything that that I do enjoy about Arcade Fire, yeah. and it it kind of came into focus a bit more for me. So I, I I'm enjoying the track, and I think I'll continue to enjoy it. Um, I, I'm not sure it's as good as you know the very best of their stuff. But it's it feels it feels good to have them back, and the fans just seem to be, you know, loving the fact that they're back and sounding like this. So I think it's it's a good thing. Yeah, I think that um, I've I've spent a good bit of time now, kind of analysing the track as well. And my last sort of like bunch of lessons, I was really trying to think about, you know, the structure. Like, why is it why is it two tracks? I mean, I know that's part that's they've always done that. I mean, way back to to the first record. You know, songs are broken up into various parts, and they've been doing that up until yeah. I think Reflector has a couple of songs that are broken over two parts. Um, and sometimes you just kind of think, well, they're just you know, like on Suburbs, for example, um, it's the opening track and it's the final track. I think, if my memory serves me correctly, yeah, uh, kind of bookends the record. Um, but why would why would you release a single that's in two parts? And actually, I've come round to the idea that um, it's a kind of a well, I, I don't know. Again, this is just this, these are just my thoughts. I, don't, I haven't read this anywhere, or whatever. But the, the the fact that it's in two parts suggests like um, we have to think about the two sets of lyrics, all not separately, but like sort of together, but separate at the same time. Yeah. And um, there is a kind of like a, a, a mirroring of where where the chorus appears and what type of chorus it is. So it's got a kind of you know a a, a refrain, an anthemic refrain. Um, so, you know, in the first one, as you say, it's don't quit on me. And then in the, in the second one, it's a day, a week, a month, a year. And then it sort of breaks off at the end into the waiting on the lightning. What will the light bring? Um, it feels like it's a post-pandemic song. It feels like part one yeah. is like being stuck um, and it's like looking inward and feeling, you know, bad about yourself for whatever reason. And I think a lot of people will understand that, definitely. And then the second half just feels so open and, and hopeful. And when, you know, halfway, you know, right to the end of track one, when you get the one, two, three, four, and the drums yeah, come in. It's a total straight, release, isn't it? Oh, it's, it's it's just, it's brilliant. It's really, really good. And um, I found a real, like, spark of um, positivity in the lyrics, especially to part two. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like the play on light, lightning, lightening, as in getting lighter, um, and what will the light bring? I just, I just think all oh, that's really. It's not as you say. It's, it's there is a fine line to walk between being trite and and just being clear and just being like open and not being yeah. 
misinterpreted. And I think that's what this is. And I say it would, I, I would definitely say it falls on that side rather than the kind of just like, you know, Oasis or Coldplay, like cricket bat lyrics kind of thing. Um, yeah. So uh, that's that's how I see it fall. But I, I think, um, I, I honestly, not to get too sentimental about it, but I did not know that I needed this record. And I really did. Like it's a, been a real like, uh, high point of the start of my week, to be honest. I've been really, really, really loving it and listening to it over and over. Right. Um, I've also found it kind of like, um, I found the video quite inspirational. And when I say inspirational, I don't mean in a sort of vague zen, like yoga master type inspirational. I mean, like literally I looked at it and I thought, I want to make a music video. Um, and the last time I made a music video, I think was 2012 or 2013 or something like that. But I actually looked at that and went, I want to do something like that. That's so cool. Um, and it's a dead simple concept and they've just done it really well so I found the whole thing I find the whole project quite enervating um, and kind of life affirming and energy giving so um, I'm, I'm absolutely buzzing about this one Andrew I don't, I, I don't actually think I've I don't actually think I've ever given anything quite as full hearted and positive a review as this um, you know I've said other things were genius I've dropped the G word a few times I think the last time I used it was for snail mail um, mm-hmm. For the track Valentine, which I still consider to be a genius pop song, and I won't, I won't hear anything against it. Um, and uh, you know, obviously, use the G word for for the Beatles and, and Radiohead, etc. But um, this particular track, um, I would say, is in my estimation, anyway, um, a great one and a work of genius. So uh, brilliant! No, I'm fire. loving, loving your enthusiasm. Fantastic! Yeah. Podcast gold. There we go. <laughs> I need to get one of those. We should get a soundboard. I've been thinking about this recently, actually, Andrew. You know, like one of those things where, you know, sort of press a button and like I'll say like podcast gold, and then there'll be like a clap of thunder. What do you think? <laughs> well, it'll have to be lightning now, won't it? It'll have to be lightning, yeah. Or like a, one of those like hockey horns, like wow, 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 like that kind of noise. <laughs> um, to really bring the sort of production level levels up. I don't know. Anyway, I'm buzzing now. Like I'm, I'm so, I'm so uh, full of beans. Having, Good, having I love it. And, you, and the, the album sounds interesting as well. So it's it's divided up into two sides. So you've got the I side, uh, which is about kind of isolation and desperation, and then you've got the we side, where you know people you're finding kind of power and community and togetherness kind of thing. So um, yeah, when I've seen the the lyrics written down, whenever there's like, we can make it if you don't quit on me, the mm. we's in capitals all the way through yep. so it's like kind of a this is definitely on the wee side of things and uh, as you say it is a it's a inspiring and a quite euphoric track yeah good on them um, I, I hope I hope this will this will be uh, well received and I think I've read I've read a bunch of reviews about it as well and they all seem to be quite positive and glowing and I think it's 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 only right I think with a band as, as big and with a career as long as Arcade Fires has been to look back at the most recent stuff and to look back yeah. at Reflector and to look back at everything now it only makes sense that you do that um, and they've probably learned a bunch out of it as well to be honest um, and maybe you know with, with time we might come back and look you know in 10 years we might look back at those records and go you know they were quite you know they weren't as they weren't maybe as 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 good or as clever as their other stuff, but actually they kind of served a pu- served a purpose for them, um, and they were pursuing whatever you know artistic avenue they had to go up at that particular time, and they came back out and produced even better stuff going going forward, and there's plenty of huge bands who've done that um, 
including the one beginning with R that I may have accidentally mentioned earlier on. Um, I actually noticed Ni- Nigel Godrich, uh, Radiohead's producer, is uh, producing this record as well. He is, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I wouldn't necessarily have guessed that from the production. I don't think it sounds... Um, you know, it doesn't seem to have a lot of his kind of sonic hallmarks on it, and it doesn't sound necessarily different from previous Arcade Fire records, but we, we might get more of that over the course of the actual album. Yeah, I, I think actually, um, for me, Nigel Godrich's production is all about, um, it's just all about clarity. I mean, when you listen yeah. to like, um, like a Radiohead record, it does sound like unbelievably like clear crystal clear um and and it has a a real balance to it um in some way i don't know exactly what i'm talking about but if you listen to burn the witch which is sonically quite similar to this in a way yeah Mm -hmm. um the radiohead song burn the witch quite similar to lightning um he's got he's he's got this big anthemic sound and big loud thundering things but they all have their the, the correct amount of space they all go in the right place and have the right amount of space sonically um and obviously you know impeccably produced i mean that is what you would expect from from radiohead arcade fire and nigel godrich you wouldn't expect anything less they're the, like the biggest acts going in indie music really um but nevertheless it is it is impressive to listen to you know it's just such a such a great sound. Um, when 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 Butler starts playing the the twelve string guitar right at the start of part one, I was just like, "Oh, that sounds so good!" <laughs> like the recording of that guitar sounds so bloody good. Like it's in exactly the right place. It sounds as loud as that should sound, and I can't really explain it any better. That just sounds exactly as it should. Yeah, in its right place. Um, and there's something very kind of, um you know, I don't know, scientific almost about that. I think that's what Nigel Godrich brings to these types of things, like the the, the sonic science of it and putting it all in, putting it all in the right place at the right time. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to have to calm down now. I'm going to have to go outside and have a big walk and a big thing. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, that's a, that's a cool one. That's definitely my favourite track for <laughs> bloody ages anyway. Good. Excellent. As I say, I'm loving your enthusiasm. Cool. So that takes us on to um, our final track of the week. Now, I noticed that this is an artist I had never heard of before, right? Um, and I don't think I'm alone in this. Um, I noticed that like this particular track on YouTube has a YouTube has a, only has a, a small amount of views. Um, now I'm not hating on that. That's that's absolutely fine. Um, and I'm glad we're bringing attention to it. But it's just not something I'm intimately familiar with. So um, I presume you know you know a bit, Andrew. Yeah, uh, I do. Yeah, I've got. I can I can fill you in a wee bit. That's cool. Uh, right. So what what we listening to then? So yeah. The artist is called Wemma, and the track is called Wemma Song. Okey-doke. Here we go. go. Wemma, dunia, Oh 
kwama Lawa maita kufuata Wata kwanda wako Manene wimbu masimango Mangapia msingi kwenye dunia Unadamu awali thiki Hakika na kwambia Niheli ukose wewe Ninaino pate wao Naziku uki kwama Lawa maita kufuata Wata kwanda wako Manene wimbu masimango Wema uh, with Wema song um, and at the risk of repeating myself from previous podcasts um, but this is something that bears repeating I would say that Andrew doing this podcast with you has really like um, to use a bad metaphor opened my eyes to world music um, because this is something that I guarantee you there is no way I would have ever heard this if you hadn't you know sent me the sent me this playlist um, mm-hmm. And I do appreciate it. Uh, this track is um, 
I mean, I can't pretend I enjoyed it as much as Arcade Fire. Nothing will, nothing will compare now. Um, <laughs> but I did really enjoy listening to this one this week, and um, mm-hmm. it, it also made me, also made me think. Um, so I think you were gonna, I'd, I'd set you up before this listen to the track to tell us a bit about who Wema are. Um, so please, please do. I, I don't know anything, basically. Yeah, absolutely. So they're a five-piece collective. Uh, consisting of a Tanzanian multi-instrumentalist called Safiri Zawosi, a producer called Fote, and members from a group called Pena, who who have done some stuff that I've enjoyed in the past. That's the kind of uh, that's that's how I I was kind of drawn to them originally, and uh, yeah, they've all got together and they're exploring this idea of community uh, through through their music. Uh, so Wema actually means kindness and benevolence in Swahili. Um, so so yeah, it's about kind of bringing together feelings about gratitude and community, as I say. And got a quote here that says, Wema is a state of gratitude and belief without sorrow or grief. It's about giving your entire heart. Um, so yeah, so it's... I mean, we were talking about the positivity in the arcade fire track. This is positivity, but in very different clothes, I guess. Yes. And um, I do think it's it's interesting the way they've incorporated uh, kind of dance and electronic elements in this track as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's really, really cool. It starts off with a kind of fuzzy noise, um, like probably an artificial white noise type sound. Um, and again, I think I've said on previous podcasts, man, I absolutely love like white noise and pink noise and brown noise and all that stuff. Love those playlists on Spotify. I don't know if you've ever listened to any, Andrew, but I do recommend them. Um, perfect for going to sleep. Um, so it starts off with this white noise thing, which I generally find quite relaxing. So I feel like I'm kind of like already in a sort of happy place with that. Um, and then we've got this single voice, but I think they're doing... I was really I was really listening very carefully to work out is this a two part or a three part harmony, um, and I think it's just the same voice layered up. So there's a lower part and a higher part. I just couldn't couldn't quite work out if it was two or three. Definitely two, maybe three. Um, play you know singing singing a, a chord um, with the with the lyric Wema right at the start of the track. Is yeah, really? I think it, I think it is. It's layered harmonies. Yeah, as, far as I can tell. Yeah, I think so, and it's really. Um, it's really effective, I think, and um, it's a very positive track. This, but also there's some—I don't know—something kind of sinister somewhere in here. Like, just definitely, the, the yeah. vibe is is kind of like a little bit unsettling. Um, no, definitely. Um, when when those synths first come in, they've got a kind of queasy, kind of seesawing quality. It almost sounds like a siren at points as well. Who who is it that does the Radiohead bingo for us? Who is that? Yeah, uh, that's our friend Stephen. Right, Stephen. Get the dauber out, um, because this sounds like Idiotech by Radiohead. Do you not think so? Uh, think about I, the drums. I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. Yes. Some of the um, yeah, some of the percussiveness is is, is very kind of idiotech. I can see there's, that. There's moments as well where, like, a lot of moments. If you listen to the, the five minute version of the song, which is what we've got in the yeah. podcast, there is also a shorter edit as well on Spotify, which you can find. Um, but. Um, there are lots of moments on this track where there's just like silence and and lots of yeah. space and um, the song structure is not one that I could easily pin down, and I think that's also something that kind of gives you this kind of unsettling type of uh, feeling as well. 
Um, so yeah, it, it's a it's a really cool song, man. Uh, yeah, it's made it's, me think this I, week. Good, yeah. I deliberately chose the longer version because I think it it gives it more time, more space to breathe, and you do notice the the shifts and the, the changes in the music and uh, the backing as well. And uh, yeah, I think it's really really cool. It reminds me a wee bit of that high track that we did a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. um, that that had those kind of distinct sections, but they all worked as a, uh, to form a proper song. Um, and uh, yeah, I think I really enjoy the different uh, elements that are coming in here. So the album blends uh, traditional Tanzanian music, Afro-Latin rhythms, and experimental electronic music. So you're kind of getting a little bit, a little bit of everything on, on that track. Um, and uh, yeah, it looks like it's going to be quite a long record, uh, looking at the track list, but um, I think it'll be a bit of a trip. Yeah, it sounds cool. Um, I, I think it's one of those ones that, like, um, you know, where did you say the chap was from? Uh, Safari Zawosi, was he from? Oh, you said uh, it now. Tanzania. 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 Jesus Christ. <laughs> Tanzania. Um, I wonder what profile this music has there. Um, I don't I don't know if we, how we would work that out, but... Um, yeah, it's it's really cool. I can understand, Andrew, why you as a record collector you really like this stuff, don't you? Like like the variety of it and the yeah you know, yeah. So um yeah, it's 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 really interesting one. So that kind of wraps us up on uh, new music this week. We've listened to uh, the Monophonics. We've listened to Arcade Fire, and we've listened to Wema. Um, and I believe we're just getting we're about to start listening to our. Uh, our pre-recorded interview with uh, Duncan Marquis. Yes, indeed, yep. So uh, you're first going to hear the track uh, Sea Sweeps from his uh, beautiful record. And uh, yeah, you'll go straight into the interview with Duncan. Uh, As we said, he's also selected some tracks as well uh, that I think will be quite illuminating in terms of where the album's coming from. So hope you enjoy. Yeah, they'll weave in and out, and then um, we're going to finish off with uh, with a, a vinyl word based on uh, based on uh, your, your our interview with Duncan, I believe, as well. Yes, indeed. So, without further ado, here's Sea Sweeps.
So that was Sea Sweeps, a track from Wires Turn Sideways in Time, the splendid new solo LP from musician, visual artist, filmmaker, drawer, and guitarist in Scottish outfit, the Phantom Band, Duncan Marquis. Uh, and we're delighted to have Duncan on the show with us. Duncan, Hello. thank you so much for joining us. Hi. Welcome. Thanks for having me. And we're particularly grateful to have you at the moment because you've just had a new arrival in your family. And I know uh, from personal experience, you know, how, how time consuming that can be. So thank you so much. How are you? How are you coping? Um, coping is a, a strong word. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're in, in the eye of the storm just now, but it's um, it's all worth it. It's good. Yeah, so far so good. Yeah, cool. I, I'm really enjoying, um, Andrew, of course, turned me on to your, your record. I'm really enjoying listening to it. Um, so, uh, yes, yeah, so Andrew's going to kick us off with some questions and just have a general chit-chat with you about it. That would be smashing. Absolutely, yeah. So I understand that the record was put together in your parents' garage in Aberdeenshire. Is that mm -hmm. right? Yeah, um, pretty much. Yeah. I was just wondering if, if, that, if the environment of recording in there kind of impacted the sound of the record in any way in terms of kind of um, the textures in the record and some of the ambience that's in the record as well? I mean, I, I think probably that, um, yeah, there is something about kind of landscape in relationship to music, certainly. I mean, I think I often think about music in quite sort of visual terms anyway, or often think about sort of music as being quite sort of filmic, or I like a lot of film soundtrack music, I guess. So there's, there's a bit of that. Um, but I think also just, you know, the kind of, the space of my parents, you know, it was space that I could get for free, you know, mm -hmm. and it's kind of somewhere where I could go and make a lot of noise and not bother anyone. Um, and so having just like a kind of a space where you're quite relaxed and mm -hmm. and sort of set things up and leave them for a while, you know, that that's got a lot to do with it as well, I think. So, but I mean, I suppose I was thinking back through some of the recording and, um, the song tracks for instance i mean that was kind of almost just like one take done one night um and probably the, probably something about just having spent the day and gone to a point where you're kind of relaxed to a certain point and maybe had a couple of drinks and then you can get a kind of a take that um that has a certain feeling to it sometimes that's the the, the challenge with recording is just kind of setting up the conditions where you can relax and play sort of kind of freely and and for it to not feel kind of labored or tense so maybe there's something of that as well that it's just a kind of yes relaxing or familiar environment to work in um could be important yeah, yeah. how long was the actual process like when did you actually start the record and when did you finish it um it's kind of hard to say as well because i, I guess there was like a point when the band sort of kind of took a hiatus and I started playing these kind of solo gigs that were pretty much improvised um, or sort of improvising around a couple of motifs or whatever, some of which kind of turned into the songs on the album. And at that point, it was just to keep playing, really. I, I just kind of wanted to keep playing guitar and having like the deadline of a, of a gig made sure mm -hmm. that you could practice and gradually started to record bits and pieces of that. So even like back in, I don't know, like, 2016, 2017, I was kind of recording stuff in Glasgow in the flat 
And then there was a point when I thought I should try and do a focused period of tracking to try and sort of consolidate things. And that's when I went to my parents. Um, but then things kind of sort of sat for quite a while. I mean, it just took a long time to get everything mixed. And I guess it was during the, the first lockdown that there was sort of time to really tie everything up. Um, so it's kind of been hanging around for a wee while, yeah. And were you busy with like other artistic projects at the time or were you, you know, just life generally or? Both, yeah. I mean, I guess as a musician and as an artist, you're constantly juggling trying to earn a living and having enough time for, you know, for your practice. So it's it's always kind of, yeah, sort of an imbalance as it were. And you're always trying to find the time. And sometimes you kind of need to set up a deadline in order to, mm -hmm. to resolve things. I mean, it's the same with my visual art practice. There's kind of projects that go on the back burner or that you, something that you want to resolve and you're kind of just sort of waiting for the right moment or the right opportunity to kind of to finish something up for. And I think with this record, yeah, there just it seemed to get to a point when everything was kind of done and um, I was sort of looking for, I was kind of keen to release it on a physical format, but until I actually spoke to Will, everyone's based in rock, it, you know, that didn't seem realistic or kind of possible. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, so somehow these things just kind of like converged during the first lockdown sort of timing-wise, yeah. Very cool. Uh, mm -hmm. On your band camp, you're described as a musician and artist. Is that the kind of way around that you see it or are they all part of the same thing for you? Good question. I mean, it, it's kind of, inevitably they do inform each other and they do kind of feed into each other. I mean, there was uh, before, um, you know, before the Phantom Band was ever playing myself and, and Andy, um, Andy Wake, who was synth in the band. I mean, we, we were at art school together and we'd done various kind of projects that involve music in some way, but I guess were much more made for the art context. Mm -hmm. um, but then once we were living in Glasgow, we'd kind of, yeah, I guess just start playing music more for, for music's sake. But in some ways, they're really different contexts and there's different um, kind of ways that you sort of consume music and art or different sort of modes that you're in. Like I sometimes think that galleries are like, I've played a lot of gigs in galleries. In some ways, it's like the worst space to play live music in. It's like, <laughs> I mean, it's like a bright white room, really yeah. hard versus, you know, it's not um, conducive for music. But then at the same time, there is this great history of kind of overlaps between art and music and a lot of really interesting music has sort of come out of that sort of intersection. Um, I mean, even if you just think about like the Velvet Underground or Tony Conrad or something, yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's, we could list many, many amazing musicians who went to art school or who are artists as well. And yeah, as I say, inevitably the kind of ideas from what you're doing in one um, sort of medium bleeds into another, but sometimes it's kind of trying to decide where a good home for something might be. And sometimes it could be that you've made a, a video that's going to be best watched in a cinema. Um, other times, yeah, maybe it's, it's something that needs to be put in a frame in a gallery or whatever. But so, yeah, I kind of chop and change, but it's something that I've never really resolved for myself. And I guess the term artist has many meanings to many different people and mm -hmm. it's really context dependent. So, yeah, that, that, that kind of suffices somehow, you know, you can kind of cover a lot of ground with the term artist mm -hmm. and it gives you a lot of, um, a lot of leeway, a lot of latitude. 
Yeah, I'm a podcast artist, actually, Duncan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not really. <laughs> um, one of the ways that I think your your art and your your music come together is obviously the um, the album, the the record cover, which I think is a, a really good marriage of you know what you're hearing and then you're looking at this uh, this image. What yeah. what 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 were you thinking when you when you put that together? I'm assuming it was you. I'm assuming it was you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a couple of drawings. Um, I mean, I guess a, a record cover is that's like a, a nice a nice format to work to, to make an image for, if you like. Um, so yeah, I definitely wanted to make an image. But at the time, I had, I mean, I, I guess I'm always kind of gathering research material from my own practice, and the, the image that the the cover drawing is based on is uh, still from a a kind of 1960s film of an experiment with sort of mice running on this like yeah this kind of suspended labyrinth it's like this kind of strange frame that's suspended over this kind of space and i found it just on um this kind of german library archive of these kind of early animal behavior experiments and so this was kind of related to a film project that i've been trying to develop for a while about animal behavior and there was just something really um sort of beautifully composed about this um the structure that they've made for these kind of these mice to run around and um but it, it somehow seemed to relate to the title of the album as well this kind of i guess these uh wires turning sideways in time i mean that the title has um I'm not totally sure what the title means, but it has like multiple interpretations. <laughs> it's something about that kind of sort of like orthogonal composition um, that's on the cover that, that related to that somehow. Um, but I guess, I mean, I don't know, with a lot of my work, it's, it's often a kind of post hoc rationale. You know, you kind of maybe work quite intuitively or start in one place and end up in another. and. It's, it's, it's usually kind of after the fact that you think, all right, actually there's this kind of relationship between that image and this music or or between that title and this music. Um, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. I've, I've, I've pre-ordered one of the your prints that came oh. with the mono ver monorail version. I've still to pick it up, but I'm really looking forward to, to getting that. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Um, I was interested with your quote, your quote here about the music when you're talking about it kind of building up in this organic fashion and... Uh, as if the music kind of emerges and kind of writes itself. Um, mm -hmm. I was interested, uh, could you maybe talk us through like how, how you would go about building up one of the tracks on the record? Maybe maybe uh, the Sea Sweeps track that we played. How, how mm -hmm. would you go about composing that and building it up and layering it? Yeah, I mean, a, a track like that, I think pretty much all the music on the album sort of comes just from improvising. Um, and and it, was, it was the same with the Phantom Band always, you know, we just sort of improvise and then if something caught your ear, you'd kind of revisit it. And with with Sea Sweeps, I guess it's sort of, there's like the opening sort of, those kind of like rolling harmonics that you can hear at the start and sort of like slightly harp-like kind of sound. And then that was kind of just like a loop. And then you're kind of just looking for other sounds that go with it somehow. So it often, often maybe you're kind of recording something and then you loop it and you just play on improvise on top and see what comes. And then there's a kind of process of sort of editing that back and seeing what else works. And yeah, it, it is a kind of a gradual adding and subtracting sort of process, but mm -hmm. 
the actual composition is often just this kind of um yeah improvising really and then and then until something kind of clicks until you something catches your ear and then trying to figure out what um what it kind of needs or what it wants and i suppose that's kind of um when i'm talking about things that are emerging or or have that kind of slightly organic nature to music i think that's often the exciting thing when you're making music is if suddenly this thing appears and you're like oh, a minute ago it wasn't there and suddenly there's this kind of this, this new sound or a new melody or or rhythm that's kind of just sort of come out of out of thin air um as you're playing that's often the most exciting thing and you're just trying to create the conditions in which you can have a happy accident like that you know um and then as i say yes this kind of editing process and trying to figure out um what it needs or what it seems to want yeah yeah that's really interesting so you're almost like the first listener of the record really um as you kind of as you're doing it that's really cool mm -hmm. um yeah I, i've really enjoyed being a, a, a listener of c sweeps this week as well it's one that i think um the, it really improves you know it gets better with repeated listening because you you reveal more layers you know with your headphones on um so i've really enjoyed that you're you're a really interesting guitarist duncan i play guitar myself as well um and the opening uh harmonics i was kind of thinking what is how what is this is it just harmonics <laughs> yeah i mean it's kind of like it's, it's like a sort of it's got a an open tuning if you like mm -hmm. um which is something that I do a lot and I guess kind of came from learning to play a lot of kind of folk stuff um, years ago when I was learning to play guitar, used a lot of open tunings. So yeah, it is just these kind of harmonics of different positions and but there's like a slight delay on it. And I suppose that's something that I do a lot is use um, delay to kind of create rhythm. Like a sort of just like a little sort of echo back on what you're playing then kind of creates the space that you then play mm -hmm. sort of to or within um so yeah so the start of it is yeah it's just these kind of like i guess the sweeps in the title like c sweeps was just the working title on the session as i recorded it because it's this kind of like sweeping of the you know like sweeping the plectrum sort of up and down the yeah the strings you get that kind of rolling quality yeah cool love it like uh, when uh you know, I heard you were a guitarist. I, I sort of in my head imagined in advance of listening to this, oh, what's this going to be like? And it was, it was nothing like that. It was really textural and 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 lovely. And um, yeah, so I think Andrew was going to ask a little bit about some of the things that you've brought along for us to listen to. Yeah, I mean, one of them leads in quite nicely. There, you're talking about echo. So, uh, in, in preparation for this, I'd ask you to think about some records that maybe they've influenced you or they were just personal favorites of yours. And the first one that you picked was World of Echo by uh, What is it about that record that, that you love so much? And yeah. it's, it's, it's a record that I really admire as well. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's, it's a beautiful record because it's it's got this kind of economy to it, like just him and the cello pretty much. I mean, and there is other sounds on there, but there's something about how much he does with so little and the space that's there. Um, I suppose the kind of like the title world of echo, I really, in, in some ways it is like what we're just talking about in terms of the use of echo or delay, where he often creates rhythm with delay effects with the cello. Um, but there's also just that, the kind of the space that the music sort of echoes within somehow or that, that he's kind of within, that he creates within that album. Um, it's also just like, I think he's kind of a fascinating musician because he's got, 
great sort of like um sort of ear for melody and mm -hmm. feel for rhythm but also very beautiful textures and and often will do just quite surprising things that kind of sort of sit alongside um, very kind of like poppy melodies or kind of dance floor friendly music. I think the fact that he kind of can do all of that is um, is really compelling, you know. And but there's also just like a kind of a tenderness to that album, which I really really kind of enjoy. Like it just it just kind of it feels, you know, you can really feel him in, in that album. Yeah, somehow. Um, totally. And also like how it seems to be this kind of like collection of fragments, you know, it, you get the feel that he's, that he's sort of playing it. In fact, I think there's like, a, there's a video of him playing at the kitchen, um, shot by Phil Niblick, who's an amazing musician um, and filmmaker, just sort of playing a lot of those pieces with the cello. And yeah, just something about that kind of doing so much with just that one instrument and the voice that's, it's really powerful, yeah. Yeah, and and I, I heard you talk as well about trying to make your guitar sound like it isn't a guitar, and mm -hmm. uh, he does that all the way through that record, he, whether it's with his voice or the cello, he's just manipulating it and yeah, yeah, just kind of to its limits. Definitely, yeah, just kind of sort of searching for other possibilities, and I guess that's with the guitar, that's like the sort of constant challenge because you know who'd be a guitarist now? You know, the guitar has been rinsed. <laughs> guitars have been like you know it's like what are you going to do with the guitar now it's not been done before so that's always the challenge i think yeah. guitar question is that all right aye, aye. so um what kind of so are you are you like do you have a particular setup that you use uh, live for this uh, um you know for, for these tracks is it you know are you focused on just what you can do with the instrument or are you using a lot of like effects have you got like particular um particular effects that you use or particular gear that's that's kind of important to you with this or, or are you not too fussed about that and you you just run with whatever I mean, I've, I've kind of got like quite a particular set of pedals, that I guess have just sort of accrued over the years, if you know what I mean. And a lot of them are sort of 
um, quite cheap. Uh, <laughs> but I, I do have a, a Fender Twin Amp, which I use just because you've got two, two channels. So sometimes you may be running a loop down one channel or you're maybe using stereo effects. Um, but in, in terms of trying to play a lot of the music on the album live, I mean, I have, I guess it, it kind of the album sort of came out of improvising live, but then there's so much overdubbing on the album. So mm. in terms of whether, you know, this question of whether you aim to reproduce that live now that the album's finished or just yeah. sort of play kind of versions of that, you know I mean? It's sort of, I guess they're different, different things, you know? Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That idea of, you know, not bothering to replicate it, but just to iterate it, this, that's probably similar to the story of how it came about in the first place. That must be quite exciting to come back to them again and, and, and see them from a new, a new perspective, new angle. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of, again, it was, it was something that the Phantom Band often struggled with was this kind of like, to what extent did we want to try and reproduce recordings live? Because often what was fun about playing live was not doing that, was letting things change. And, you know, some of our favorite tracks were the ones where we could kind of improvise a bit live because that was the sort of one of the key characteristics of the band for us. You know, like our experience of the band mostly was just improvising for hours on end in a rehearsal studio and then try to figure out how to turn that into something that you could play on a stage or mm -hmm. commit to a record was kind of, um, it, was, it was challenging, yeah. 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 I've had some great nights watching the Phantom Band. Uh, maybe we may talk a little bit about that later on, if that's okay. Yeah. Um, one of the other records that you brought in was uh, The Transfiguration of Blind Joe Deaf by John Fahey. Um, mm -hmm. What is it about that record? Uh, we, we, we are talking about that kind of idea of happy accidents. I was I immediately kind of thought of the track Poor Boy with the, with the dog barking and him shushing yeah. the dog and, and keeping it in. Um, yeah. is, is that something that appeals to you? So, Doug, before you answer, that literally happened to me during the start of this interview. You may have seen me dash away from the camera. <laughs> I was muted. I had to go and sort the dog out and come back. <laughs> Shh. Get him on the show, yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I think with... Um, with with Fahey, I mean that um, that whole kind of period of like the sort of the early Tacoma records. It, it could have been any one of the early Tacoma records that I picked, really. But I think maybe Transfiguration of Blind Your Death is like a probably a great like first listen if people are coming to John Fahey. But again, he's someone who I feel like he, in some ways, he's an incredibly technical guitar player and like virtuoso musician. But he always prioritizes kind of sort of melody or economy of like the music somehow. And he's also someone who has these quite sort of avant-garde um, sort of tendencies alongside mm -hmm. playing, you know, very kind of immediate and familiar music. Um, and he also is kind of constantly mixing different influences. So there's this kind of influence of like classical music and, um, Sort of Indian ragas alongside with kind of yeah blues standards and folk music. Um, so he's kind of apparently he was the first person to set up an indie label as well. Apparently Tacoma Records was like one of the first indie labels and right. 
did lots of these sort of tape recordings, but yeah, I've, I've kind of I've, I've deviated from your question quite a bit. But um, no, you're fine. In terms of in terms of happy accidents, it does feel like there's a lot of improvisation within his music. A lot of again, there's there's this kind of there's something about the tone and the texture of his playing that is sort of unmistakable and there's plenty of people that can play like him but they don't sound like him right, you know, yeah. there's, mm-hmm. there's, there's something there but apparently it was a total nightmare apparently it was he was really hard work and like um you know th- there's a couple of books that he wrote um it sounds like he had quite a difficult life as well so probably probably quite a problematic character in some ways but um but some of the music is just i mean i remember the first time i heard on the sunny side of the ocean which is on, on that album yeah. and it was just so immediate just like that just completely caught me and
seems to be like quite, quite ahead of his time. So it's that whole kind of idea of having this kind of alter ego of the the blind Joe Deaf character and uh, yeah. writing the, the fake biographies and all that kind of stuff. So very very kind of playful and quite postmodern in his way as well. Definitely, yeah, yeah. Uh, what what are the other kind of key things that that jumps out is uh, the influence of uh, German music from from the seventies. What is it about? But we're trying to get away from using the K word on the podcast. Um, it's just, uh, but but um, but but um, use the other other K word, Cosmish. Yeah, Cosmish music. Yeah, yeah, go yeah. for that. Um, but what is it about that that music and that period that that appeals to you and it's an influence to Um, again, like I think there's sort of this sort of synthesis of like of experimentation and sort of fascination for different sounds, different textures, but that is going on within the context of sort of uh, rock and pop bands, if you like, or, you know, it, it's, you've got the format of a rock band, but yeah, they're kind of bringing in um, synthesizers, drum machines, um, tape recordings, found sound. And then there's also a lot of kind of free improvisation. Um, I think bands like sort of Can, Faust, early craft work and and then the sort of cosmic stuff like um cluster um all features that but then they still seem to kind of have hooks as well you know and, and there's something yeah. about the kind of the melodic sensibility that's that again just immediately kind of sort of resonates or kind of chimes i mean I remember the first time hearing now even it was just like Okay, the, the the rhythm's kind of the hook in some ways with Noi, or you have that immediately recognizable sort of sound of Noi. But rather as a guitar player, there's melodically is he just seems to yeah, there's something something that he does melodically while still improvising, while still having interest in sort of tones with the playing. Um I think Popo Vu is also really amazing music. Um I remember watching some of the the early Werner Herzog films. Um, as a as a kind of as a student and just been really struck by the music and the combination of that music with those images um was kind of really sort of compelling at the time and again it's this kind of like slightly kind of ecstatic but melancholic kind of music yeah. and but often with this kind of beautiful textures and slightly off color slightly kind of um Again, maybe done with kind of simple means, you know, maybe just like a kind of like this, the pop of your soundtrack for um which we call it the, the one about the conquistador. Um, but it's this kind of like synthetic choir sound that he's just made with a keyboard and it it just has a very particular sound to it. Um and I suppose that's often what you're looking for, or, or I find I'm often looking for in music is something that just doesn't sound like anyone else.
say that you've you've achieved something like that yourself, Duncan, uh, mm. on wires turned sideways in time. I can hear how, as we're having this discussion, I can hear how all those influences um, have influenced this record or led to this mm. record, but there's something different as well. Something Scottish as well, maybe. I don't know how I would uh, quantify that exactly. Um, but, quantify uh, is a, a good word for how, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I wonder if that is this kind of like latent sort of tendency or something. Again, it was something that people often just say about the Phantom Band was that it had this kind of, there was this kind of like Scottishness to yeah. it. It was never intentional, but it's just, it's just there. Maybe you can't avoid it sometimes. I suppose that's another interesting thing about music is, is what you don't intend. Mm-hmm. and what you kind of can't help that just sort of kind of seems to seep through once you start playing or recording again that's often some of the more interesting qualities i think yeah yeah you'd mentioned the uh, bass and rock that I've put the record out um i think i've pretty much got everything that they've put out so far they just nice. never seem to pick a bad record um you know, it's quite very diverse as well like julie, julie Byrne, jim getty nadia reed Ethanessa francis no, yeah. very diverse, but all beautiful records. Um, so you were you were saying that they, they reached out to you, is that right? Or how, how did that how did that relationship come about? How did that? Will that runs Bass and Rock um, does like music press, like does uh, works for in house PR, and um, they'd done some of the Phantom Band albums, and we just always got on really well with Will. Like every time we'd go to Manchester, he'd sort of would spend the night hanging out with him and. Again, because he's like a, a sort of probably a, such a big music fan, and he really has a kind of encyclopedic knowledge of music and loves so many different kinds of music. Um, so we kind of just kept in touch over the years, and occasionally he'd sort of send you records that he was excited about or things he was putting out on bass and rock, and would just be asking, you know, what was happening. So I kind of sent him demos from this album a while back, and then at one point he just kind of said, uh, "Do you want to do you want to release it?" which was which was great i mean can really ask for a, a better home for it for the album yeah no definitely and do you have any plans to play the record live what's next for you in terms of the the record yeah. and the, the the campaign if you like i mean i was due to go on tour with steve gunn back in in february but he had to cancel his european tour unfortunately just because just of the pandemic so that was kind of going to be the the sort of the dates around the release of the album um around the uk so that was a bit of a shame that got cancelled but hopefully there'll be some dates in the summer i mean at the moment there's nothing and yeah also i'm kind of got my hands full <laughs> i'd be a i'd be a parent so um so we'll see but yeah i hope there'll be some shows um and yeah i'll need to figure out how to how to translate the music into, into a live set that people can tolerate <laughs> I'm sure that won't be a problem. <laughs> so I'm I'm guessing I'm, we might already have kind of advised us on how this might this the the answer to this question might go. But do you feel, do you have plans to do another record, or will this just if that happens, it just kind of will happen? Um, I'd like to certainly. I mean, I, I don't know when. Um, I mean, I did a a kind of a, an audio piece for. The Common Guild and Gla- Common Guild in Glasgow is like a sort of visual arts organisation that put on exhibitions. And during the first lockdown, they um, commissioned lots of artists to make kind of sound works for people to listen to on headphones. Whenever was kind of doing walks constantly, when that was the only thing you were allowed to do, was go for a That's walk. Cool. Um, 
so I made kind of a half hour piece for that that was kind of edits of improvised guitar stuff um, loosely based around bird calls that I'd kind of heard during the lockdown um, so that felt quite different from from the album it kind of it felt more like how I kind of play live and so it would be nice to make a record that was in that kind of um, in that style in that kind of format perhaps but yeah I guess it, it really just depends on, on what what's happening with life I mean it's as, as I said at the at the start you know you're just always trying to figure out how to have time to play music and still sort of run enough cash or keep your your various activities going so there's yeah just wait and see I guess see see how things unfold <laughs> cool right well it's a, it's a beautiful record and we heartily recommend it here on the podcast so thank yeah. you so much um yes. so we tend to uh, finish these podcasts, Duncan, uh, with something we call the vinyl word, where uh, we have like a featured. <laughs> See what we did there, uh, yeah. but yeah, yeah. So th- this is a uh, where we kind of uh, feature a record from from the past that's kind of got some personal significance to us, and I mm. thought it'd be fitting to uh, feature the Phantom Band's 2009, 20, 2009, beg your pardon, two thousand nine debut Checkmate Savage, which. I loved it at the time and maybe even love even more now. I think it's just aged wonderfully, I would say. That's uh, good what are your what are your kind of memories of recording that? Um, it was I guess it's the first time the band was in like a decent studio. So it kind of seemed <laughs> cool. really kind of novel and exciting. <laughs> and um, and also yeah there was this, just this challenge of like how to turn music that we'd kind of written through improvising and played live a lot how to sort of get it into something that existed as, a, as an album you know that sort of had that kind of just to get things a bit shorter basically <laughs> like a, a lot of it felt like how do we how do we sort of compress stuff down and and trying to figure out what um what needed to be sort of cut out that was always challenging but um i suppose it, yeah it was just like a, a point when the band had been sort of gigging a lot and it was yeah it was just sort of new, learning new things going into the studio and Paul Savage was incredibly patient diligent with us um yeah so not too sure what else to say about it other than it, it's, it's nice to hear that you think that it's aged <laughs> well because you know that's all I suppose that's often the fear when you're when you're working on something that's going to turn out to be um, superficial or something you just kind of throw away um, later on. But then having said that, I suppose some of the joys of music are that it's kind of of its moment, of its time. And yeah, I suppose like we're talking about now, that album has kind of memories of a certain a certain time that is kind of, yeah, that, that becomes your kind of your your memory device for, for that moment. So, yeah. Perfect. One, well, one, one of the one of the exciting things about it is just the, the the combination of different sounds. So you do have Cosmish in there. You've got neo folk, prog, art rock. There's doo-wop on a couple of tracks and that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, was was that the influence of different people all kind of coming together, or did you tend to have a, a shared uh, group of influences and tastes that that you were drawing from? I mean, I think I think everyone 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 in the band like big range of music for sure and it was often 
we'd be kind of playing each other different things and it would be sort of fun to try to try to sort of have a kind of a dual vocal part um i mean we're not apart from rick we're all pretty terrible singers but it was yeah again maybe some some of that would sort of come out of like a bit of a joke or something we're trying to do to entertain each other but in terms of the music i guess everyone did really like lots of different stuff and it kind of just seemed weird to not draw on, on what you were listening to um i don't think we ever consciously tried to be this kind of like sort of fusion of influences or, or kind of or this sort of hybrid it, it, it was more just unavoidable you know all that music you're listening to and it's all going to seep into to what you're trying to do um yeah and i think as, as well it was kind of it's the combination of people pulling in different directions mm -hmm. consciously or not that would produce the more interest and sort of results often i think it was about kind of creating the conditions where you could have these unlikely overlaps or surprise combinations um I suppose that's kind of one way to try and come up with different sounded music is to sort of, is to combine things that previously didn't sort of sit alongside each other. But I don't think it was ever as consciously done. You know, it was it was often just we would go in the studio and start to play, and after a while, something would would sound interesting. Um, yeah. Excellent. Well, I guess that leads us on just neatly to just listen to. Um, the Howling by uh, the Phantom Band. Thanks so much for uh, taking the time to chat with us, Duncan. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much. No, you're welcome. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Thank you. See you soon, guys.
trust, I try to live beyond my lust and lie. It's all that I was. Carry my. 